Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Galactica Actually. I am Jamie Smith and joining me is my co-host... A. Diallo Jackson. And today we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 16, Sacrifice. Sacrifice. What is the song you're uh, Elton John. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for me to like place songs outside of their context. Yeah. So you're saying I I definitely was off tune. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't know every Elton John song. Um, yeah. I would be terrible at name that tune because I have to like I'm not quick enough with like placing songs out of outside of you know the song itself. Uh huh. Just not a skill I have. Anyway. Um, we are here to talk about Sacrifice. This is Billy's swan song. See ya, Billy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, how did you feel about this episode? Um, I, like, I initially, like, I've always, you know, watched it. And I, I don't know if I ever really thought about it. Like, it, uh, I think it emotionally hinges on Billy's passing, um, but as I was actually critically watching it, I was kind of like, this episode's a little bit off. And <laughs> there was some reasons I, I kind of figured out why. Um, and, you know, like I've, I've said on here before, I always feel vindicated when I watch the commentary and Ron Moore agrees. And he basically said the same thing. He's, he said it's not. He's like it's not his favorite. It's not bad, and I I agree. I don't think it's bad, but there are just some things that it um, kind of misses on. And um, I yeah again I figured I kind of figured out what for me what it was missing, but um, but it's also not bad. It's just kind of it's 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 it exists. And but for Billy's passing, it might be forgotten. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. Um, do you want to talk about the Billy of it all, the Paul Campbell stuff? Because I listened to uh, Trisha's podcast, 
because mm-hmm. Paul Campbell was on for this episode. And oh, cool. At the beginning of the episode, um, before they started talking about the episode itself, he sort of talked about like how he got the part on Battlestar Galactica, how it was he was a very new actor at the time. It was one of the first things he ever booked. And I don't want to throw shade at Paul Campbell, but it sounds like he got a little um, big for his britches. In a way, he just felt like because he wasn't under contract, there were only um, they said like the top seven on the call sheet were the only ones that were under contract. And that ended at Grace Park. So Edward James Olmos, Mary McDonald, Katie Sackhoff, Trisha Helfer, Jamie Bamber, Grace Park. There's like one more person. They were... Did you say mm-hmm. Baltar? What's his name? Oh, right. And James Callis. So they were the seven that were under contract. Everybody else was not on a contract. They were just recurring actors. And he took the opportunity, because he wasn't under contract, he would he booked auditions for things. And between the miniseries and season one, he booked a pilot. And he came back and he told them, I booked a pilot and we're going to film it. And if it goes, I'm going to, I'm a lead on that. Um, and the pilot filmed, but it did not get picked up. So he was still around for season one for like all of season one. Then between seasons one and, or yeah, between seasons one and two, he was still going out and doing these auditions and he tested during season two, he said they were around like episode three or four. He tested for psych and he was told that the part was his. And he said, actually, like the casting director said to him, like, this is yours to lose. So he he said that Universal and AB, not ABC, um, USA, they had offices on the same floor at um, Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. And so when he was there to do one of the tests or whatever for Psych, someone from Universal must have given Ron Moore a heads up. Like, hey, you know, Paul, he- Paul Campbell's here, like, testing for something at USA. So Ron Moore called him and was like, hey, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm not under contract. Um, and my part's not very big and this is a lead role and, you know, and so Ron Moore said, well, what if we offer you a four-year contract? And he was like, well, I'll probably turn it down because this is a lead role and what I do on Battlestar is not that at all. And so he like ended that phone call, had his test, his like big test the next day or shortly after that was when the casting director told him it's your part to lose. And he said it was one of the worst auditions of his life. <laughs> and he did not get the role. And then he went back to Toronto, not Toronto. I think it's a Toronto before, but I meant Vancouver. He went back to Vancouver and everyone else was now contracted. All wow. of like Tomo, Michael Hogan, oh. Anastasia, 
uh, not Anna. What is her name that plays Duala? <laughs> Candace Duala. That's her first name. <laughs> Candace McClure. Like all of them. All of the people that we've seen recurring on the show, like major recurring, not like yeah. not Ellen, you know, but like the major mm-hmm. recurring people, Aaron Douglas, all of them were now on contracts. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And he feels like that they they must have panicked when they realized they could lose any of them at any time because they weren't contracted. Mm-hmm. So they contracted everybody. And then he, um, <laughs> he said they were filming an episode and Katie came to his his trailer and was like, have you read this? The next script? You die. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and so he was like, well, that makes sense. Like and he and he was okay with it because he it sounds like he just really thought that Billy was going to be a bigger role, mm-hmm. like a a lead character, and he wasn't. But what he left out of this whole thing was like they had to sort of take him off the board because he kept going and like booking pilots. Yeah. So uh, the the version I I know is is from ron moore's point of view mm-hmm. that he does on the commentary and he it's a it's, it sounds a lot more diplomatic than uh <laughs> than i guess the real story but he basically said what you said but um not with any details so basically um billy had opportunities to be uh the lead actor on other shows and like you said he kept um, auditioning and they had they would have to write around that um and yeah. at a certain point he said that they just like billy had an opportunity to go off and be the lead as opposed to being this background player and i guess that would have been galactic or that would have been psych if he had gotten the part um and so they wrote him off and then it, it kind of like he said it worked out for both the both sides but Apparently it didn't. <laughs> um, well, he did book other things. Like I know that Paul yeah. Campbell eventually was like one of the like main people on uh, Bionic Woman, which I think aired like three episodes before it got canceled. Was he? I don't even remember him on that. Yeah, oh. he was in that. I remember seeing that he was in that. I mean, like, oh, good, because I didn't know that he was written off of Battlestar because he kept like booking these other things or auditioning mm-hmm. for other things. Mm-hmm. So I. I thought he was written off for story mm-hmm. and I always liked him on Battlestar. So I was excited that he was going to be in this bionic woman show, which I watched the pilot and was like, this show's garbage and never watched another episode. Um, but I guess there were like, he just obviously is a, is a, is good in the room where he, he kept getting called in for interview or for auditions or booking pilots. And, you know, like he—he's right. He wasn't under contract, and they were right because, like, hey, we can't—we can't just have Billy disappear and then reappear mm-hmm. over and over again when he's supposed to be like at the president's side. Yeah, he, he, Ron Moore was saying how like it—it it didn't track for them to be like Billy's. I'm going to quit um, being the aide and go off to yeah. some other ship and be a farmer or something, you know, just didn't feel right. So, um. yeah, I read that too. They were like, we couldn't, it just didn't make sense if Billy was just like, I'm going to go live on this other ship. Yeah. Well, now that, I mean, now that you like gave a little bit more in-depthness to that, it actually kind of like, if I think about how they kind of like conceived of the script, it actually kind of, 
informs me why the script is, is isn't as like well formed as I think other episodes of the show are. It almost feels not quite an afterthought, but it just like everything wasn't worked out. Um, mm-hmm. Like this episode, I think when I was watching it, I think what it is is like you know I have this feeling when I watch some movies sometimes it just it like it just feels like a bunch of things happening, um, but the there's there doesn't really seem to be like a character thread to anything. So I didn't feel like when I watched this episode, it didn't feel like anybody's story. Like there's right. a bunch of characters in it, but I'm not like, like, you know, we like scar, like that was like, that was like Starbucks journey. Right. And then we also like had cat was really involved in that too. And we saw them go like from one point and come out the other end. Right. In this episode, it's just like a bunch of people doing a bunch of things. And really it's like, kind of like it should have been Dana Delaney's story to be honest and but then that kind of gets shortchanged and it just so it just kind of exists and it's fine but it doesn't like necessarily resonate and I think I could imagine that part of that might have been that it wasn't like necessarily a part of their plan um long term yeah so yeah yeah so they they conceived of an episode where they could kill Billy off and Mostly what anybody might remember from this episode is that it's the one where Billy dies. It's the only thing I remember from it. Right. And like... <laughs> and, it, and Dana Delaney, yeah. I mean, half the time I don't even remember that the episode where Billy dies is the one that Dana Delaney is in. I just remember just because I remember it was because of the those terrorists and she was the leader of it. That, mm-hmm. and But it's like she... I actually feel bad for her because she... I feel like she got shortchanged. Yeah, because <laughs> the episode could have been a lot better, and she like came came out to do this one, you know. So yeah, and like she was asked, I think it was David Ike that like called her because he'd worked with her before, and was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, do you want to you know ha- do this role on Battlestar Galactica?" And she said yes, without having like there was no audition process or anything; it was just a straight offer. And he talks about how, like, having her on screen, like, elevates things. The He compares her to, like, the way that Meryl Streep elevates a movie, which I think is a little much. But she's definitely a name. You yeah. know, she's, like, I, I talked about this in my notes. I did not watch China Beach when I was a kid, but I know it was popular. And I always knew who she was because that show was so popular. Yeah. I think this may be the only thing I've ever seen her in unless she maybe guessed it on a episode of Grey's or something. But like for the most part, I just know her because when I was, you know, 12 or 13, she was on this show that was massively popular. Yeah. I mean, I used to watch China Beach, but then um, she was in one of my favorite movies, Tombstone. Um, mm. And she used to I think I she have used to seen do... Tombstone. Yeah, and then I think she used to do the voice for for Lois Lane on Superman animated. I think she did. Um, so yeah, other than that, yeah, when she 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 pops up, and I'm always like, oh, Dana Delaney. So I like I I do I do think that she brings something to this character and the role that does elevate it, mm-hmm. but that's sort of like 
it's sort of saying like if she hadn't have been in this role, then it would have been like a the episode might have been like a D, you know? Yeah. Um, because I, like yeah, because she still there was still was a lot missing to the character and. You know, in my notes, I, I, I wrote, who are you a lot? Yes. <laughs> I didn't, I don't know, you know, but yeah. just by her presence, she communicates something, some kind of weight to her. So you kind of accept she's in this position that she's in. At least there's that. Yes, I will give it that. She definitely, she definitely makes this character feel like as much as possible, a, a lived in person mm-hmm. and uh, a, a lesser actress probably would be even more forgettable and would have like this episode would have been even more forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was, I was watching it and I was like, Oh, she like, she could have played Rosalind actually. Like she, well, she apparently would've... they did go to her. They thought of her for Ellen. At one oh, point. really? Oh, huh, interesting. That's what it says in my companion. Yeah. Wow. See, that like she if was, she was she Ellen, was considered. I if she was Ellen, I might have like liked Ellen better because she would have played. <laughs> I, I think know. the point was to not like Ellen, though. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But there just would have been like some some kind of complexity or something to Ellen's so like on the nose, and we'll talk about her. <laughs> we will talk about her today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in this episode, we have. Of characters that you say like there's just no consequence, and and like it's just a lot of. You know, nobody is serviced well. We've got Lee not being, I hate the, this sounds dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Lee not being serviced well. Dee not being serviced well. Ellen. Trying to get serviced well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Billy, Roslyn, Adama, Ty, like all of them is, it's just a very surface story. I think the only, maybe the only character in this that has any sort of movement of any kind is Sharon because of the things that she says. Yeah. In her but conversations even then, with Adama. I, have, I have questions. I literally have questions in my notes <laughs> about her. Well, when we get there, um, yeah, this episode is, I wrote, it's as messy as season five of love is blind. Well, I have not watched season five of Love is Blind yet, so. But I've been hearing. It's messy. Some guy named Uche or something. Oh, man. Uche is terrible. (laughs) Izzy is dusty. JP definitely was at the Capitol on January 6th. (laughs) There are rumors that there was a whole other couple that actually they ended up cutting and there's some controversy around that like this that's actually ooh. not unusual but it usually doesn't have controversy attached to it to yeah this one is like controversy i think it came out because this is now this is the love is blind blind podcast but i think it came out because there was only like three couples that made oh. like and so it was kind of like what you know and then um and then one of the couples like ends pretty quickly so then you're like, there's only two to go. And then just people were like, what's going on? You know? And then it started coming out that there was like this whole other couple that, I mean, they actually like filmed them. Like, so they actually yeah. went all the way and everything. And then they, they ended up cutting it. And it was like some controversy around why hmm. they cut it apparently. So well, anyway. I know, I know that that did happen in season one, 
mm-hmm. and I know this because uh, Jason worked on season one. So yeah. when I was watching it, he said, like, there's a whole other couple that um, they're not here. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I can't remember. There wasn't controversy around it. I can't remember why they were cut out. But that season had four couples, I think, and there were definitely five mm-hmm. that had been like had their camera guides attached to them and were with them for the three weeks or whatever it was. So, yeah, and you can see this 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 other couple in shots, like in certain shots and they're kind of edited out. So you're like, kind of like, why are they there? But you know, now that I know kind of what happened and then there's two other couples that, you know, they're saying, and one of them, they just like, kind of like what you said, I think there's no controversy. They just didn't. Yeah. Sometimes they, didn't they just don't them. pop. Yeah. But then there's another one. This, this one is messy where there's like, uh, the one of the persons just filed a lawsuit against the show for all, wow. this, all this stuff. So, <laughs> It's uh oh boy, anyway. and that is like this little triangle between Billy, <laughs> Billy D and and Apollo. I was like, boy, this is so messy. This is <laughs> this is like an episode of Love Is Blind. <laughs> okay, so this episode starts with Dana Delaney, and she is typing out a message about Cylons in the fleet. Or about Sharon being on the Galactica. And she's reading her words out loud for the audience. Like you do. <laughs> um, she says there's sleeper agents. Cylon impregnation. Multiple models. Suicide bombers. And she flashes back to an attack on her ship. I assume. And how someone that turns out to be her husband. Was sucked out a hole in the side of the of the ship. So a raider like shot up the side of the ship and he was sucked out the so, the side of it. Um, there's no way she witnessed this. So to me, this is just like her imagination filling in the blanks for her. Yeah. They, so this was actually, uh, did you watch the deleted scenes or no? I didn't. I forgot. Yeah. So in the deleted scenes, they actually, it's actually a, a more extended um, scene. So they actually shot the, the flashbacks, I think, to go at the front of the episode, but then they ended up cutting it because Rob Moore said it played better. I disagree. Like it actually, they actually should have started it with this guy kind of doing this maintenance in this hallway. And then there's the attack and he gets sucked out. And then we could go to Dana Delaney and it it made more sense to me that way. But that's why, (laughs) that's why she's able to like, see it quote unquote in this episode. Was she was there? No, 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 she wasn't. I'm saying they, they just ended up using the footage that they had originally shot because they, they, I think they were going to show those scenes in like real time. And then they just, no, I get that, but she still wouldn't have seen it happen. So her flashing back to the, fact that it did happen is still her like imagining how right yeah that's what i'm saying i'm saying i'm saying the only reason we're seeing it is because they shot it but she still yeah she would not have like actually seen it at all yeah yeah so we head to adama's quarters where he and Rosalind and billy are listening to a radio broadcaster talking about how there's speculation that the galactica is harboring a cylon prisoner but that Adama has not made a statement about it. And Billy turns the radio off and Adama asks how this got out to the fleet. And Rosalind is surprised it didn't happen sooner. 
considering he's she's heard that he's been meeting with Sharon in his quarters. So there's, you know, who knows how many people have seen her carted around the ship, mm-hmm. which is a valid point. Mm-hmm. He defends himself, saying she's a military asset that provided vital strategic intelligence. And then Billy snarks that the rest of them pray she isn't colluding with other Cylons. And Adama says that if he felt that she was a threat, he'd kill her himself. So Billy thinks that the fleet needs to hear that information and that they need to believe it. And then we cut to the hall where Rosalind is like, hmm, someone had their Wheaties this morning. (laughs) And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know what got into me. And she's like, well, no, you're right. We need to get ahead of this. Someone needs to ask the hard questions because there's no roadmap for what they're dealing with. And she thinks that they should admit that they have Sharon and make a case for why they need to keep her. Billy doesn't think that that's going to work. He thinks that she needs to tell the people the truth and use the press to do so. They barely know anything about the Cylons. And until they do, they're not going to destroy the one source of information that they have. Period. And he, you know... This was 20 years ago, so he doesn't do it like the TikTokers. Period. 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 <laughs> um, Rosalind, though, is impressed with this version of Billy, but he's distracted by seeing Dee walk down the hall. And here we go to this scene that completely comes out of nowhere. It's shocking to me that Billy says he was on the debate team because these two just never seem to be able to get out like full sentences to each other. (laughs) Also, he's proposing to her using his debate team ring. Do you remember those class rings? Yeah, I mean, I would he I I wasn't as tuned into like what like what was his debate team ring or whatever, but I definitely saw it as the class ring. Like, I wanted one of those so badly when I was in high school and I couldn't afford yeah, one. Yeah. And now I'm glad I couldn't afford one because I probably would have worn it for a few months and then like tossed it in with the rest of the jewelry I never wear. And yeah, it I mean, would I... probably still be floating around with me. All these years later, moving with me from state to state to state, this fucking ring that's probably like totally like grimy and whatever. Anyway, (laughs) I have one, and I think it's just been in my parents' house since I graduated. (laughs) So I feel bad for kind of forcing them to get me one. Yeah, I don't know why that was such a thing. I don't think it's a thing anymore. I don't know. Um. So D says no and crushes Billy and. I'm glad that she was able to be like really clear here and not dance around it. She's just like, I can't marry you. She, you see, she didn't dance around. What are you talking about? I mean, she ummed and uh, a little bit, but she said, Billy, I can't marry you. Like she said those words clear enough. So there was yeah. no, no question of what she her answer was. Those words clear enough. Yes. No other words. No explanation. No other, yeah. No explanation. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. Just, Billy, I can't marry you. And um, then she carts off to Cloud Nine. It's giving, it was giving like TV, you know, you're going you're gonna to be so mad at me. 
Are you going to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis no. Kelsey and their PR teams? No. Okay. No. It's it was giving me Sabine uh, not telling uh, what's his name <laughs> about anything that happened when they finally like get to the planet. Like it was like just spit it out. What are you waiting for? Just like tell us everything. Oh, no, I have those quibbles about Ahsoka as well. Yeah. Okay. Why is nobody talking about what they need to be talking about? But. Uh, I wasn't mad about it or anything. I was just. Like, I wasn't mad either, but it's just you know, it was like it was very TV, you know, like when people stop talking yeah. so that they can extend the mystery. <laughs> well, she has no problem like telling the story to Lee immediately. <laughs> They're on a date, and she looks great. In my notes, I say that he looks like he's wearing a shirt that was bought at Ross Dress for Less. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i said it's a good thing he he's so handsome because that shirt is just not doing it <laughs> he wonders because he's a dumbass he wonders if she just regrets turning down billy's proposal and she's like i can't believe she's not like you know you fucking idiot but she's just like no I I also just don't know what to make of me and you. Like, ugh, these two. Yeah, I mean, that's it's like I don't know that either of them. I mean, that was it was kind of weird because they they were acting like they didn't know what they were doing. You know, like you're you you're dressed up better than we've ever seen either of you dressed up before. But you're sitting there at dinner like, I, I don't know what to make of us. What is this? And right. He's like, did you uh, did you say yes? And I was like, what the- well, and like just a few episodes ago, she's like, yo, you haven't you've been missing our workouts. And he's just like, oh, no, no, uh, I can't stop. Th- oh, that was fucking black market. I can't stop thinking about this girl. I was in- I was involved with in Caprica. And, uh, I've got a prostitute girlfriend like. <sighs> <laughs> you know, I mean, now that you brought up black market. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, maybe I don't know. So, like the the without like saying what happens, we'll get there. But like where where Lee ends up in this episode, kind of like like it actually make makes more sense for this episode to be sort of like I mean, it, w- it would need some reworking, but it would made more sense for him to like to have all of those episodes before lead up to this, mm-hmm. like as a character thread. Um, instead of what we got with Black Market. And I think that's also part of the problem with this episode is that there is no real character to anything that happens. It's just things happen. And except for Rosalind, um, kind of like giving us a a performance, everybody else is just kind of like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So... (laughs) (laughs) She says she doesn't know what to make of her and Lee. And he does not give her any answer to that. He just heads to the bar to get more drinks. And at the bar, he bumps into Ellen, who has just bumped into Dana Delaney really quickly. And she immediately starts flirting with Lee. (laughs) And then Billy is also in this bar on Cloud Nine. 
In all the gin joints, in all the fleet, she walked into <laughs> his. And she explains that she got a two-day rotation, so she thought she'd take a little vacation. And he's like, well, I'm here on business as usual. And then Lee comes up to the table with the drinks, and Billy's like, oh, okay. Like, he's awkward, but he's not stupid. And he sees right away what Dee should have said to him when she turned down his proposal. I've been sort of seeing Lee Adama and... I just want to see where that goes. Like any any explanation whatsoever. But instead, Billy's standing here looking and feeling really stupid. And Dee asks Lee to give them a minute. And Lee's just like, oh, I'm sorry, Billy. And like walks away. And Billy says to Dee that he thought if anything, they were honest with each other and that she knew if she knew she was going to be here with lee the same day she shouldn't have let him propose and she starts like oh i, I mean i didn't know you're going to propose and he doesn't let her explain he knows that giving her that ring was stupid and maybe he was just trying to hold on to her because he knew she wasn't that into him i'm reading between the lines here yeah i was like i don't remember any of this no. dialogue <laughs> i'm reading between the lines he said she still should have told him that she was seeing lee and Which she should have. She should have. Yeah. So I wrote. I wrote. This has all happened before. <laughs> to so to many me, of us. To me. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never proposed to anybody, but I've definitely like dated people that I was way more into than they yeah. were into me. And yeah. a lot. Of, I used to say that I was the girl that people dated, so that they were ready to date the next person. Who mm-hmm. they then ended up in like a serious relationship with that yeah. happened a lot, so yeah. I get it, and maybe that's why back in two thousand five or whatever year it was that this aired, that I felt such a connection to Billy in this moment because I have been there. Yeah, like it's like there's nothing wrong with what she did with like in terms of like being interested in um lee it's kind of like you love who you love kind of thing but it's the it's the lack of you know uh, honesty i guess like she she had an opportunity especially she had the opportunity earlier to say it and she didn't and then i don't know and 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 it's one of those it's kind of one of those things too like this is kind of how people operate where they end up having an affair and then the other the other person finds out and then they're like, I don't know. It just happened. And it's like, no, it didn't just happen. No. You did a whole bunch of things to end up at this point. And yeah, you, yeah. we don't just fall into having sex with people or fall into yeah. having affairs with people. These are choices that you make and you willingly make. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like, it takes off. It like it, it allows the person involved in the affair. It allows them to almost like, you know, there's no blame on them because they i don't know how i don't know just you know yeah. things happen and um not make one them thing a led to another yeah and it's like just like own it like yeah like if you had if we had owned it billy might still be alive actually if d never kissed billy in the hallway in the miniseries he might <laughs> he might still be alive to this day maybe so he, we might have uh billy dna running through our veins <laughs> <laughs> So over at the bar, Ellen is going on and on about how hard it is to stay faithful and only love one person at a time. 
And I came to a realization, like, who's she talking about here that she loves more than one person? And I realized she's maybe she's talking about how she loves Saul, but then she also Mm -hmm. loves herself. And I think Mm -hmm. Ellen loves herself more than anyone else in the whole world. And I don't know that that was what they were going for here. (laughs) I think they're Mm -hmm. just trying to set her up as someone who cannot stay faithful to her husband. But I just think that Ellen is like a hundred percent self-centered. She's the most important person in the world to her. And she loves herself more than anyone else. She's always going to love herself more. And it's important to love yourself, but she puts herself above everyone else, including Saul. Yeah. I mean, that's a great read. That's a great subtext (laughs) read of the situation. She she lumps Lee into this category, and he's just like, "What?" Yeah, (laughs) because she loves herself. She loves herself so much. She's trying to angle to get some. Yeah, (laughs) from Lee. Like, you think this is gonna work? Oh my god! So over at the table, Dee apologizes to Billy, and then he's like, "Well, I'm here with friends," and I I thought he was there on business. I think Billy's just there. I don't think he's there for any reason except like I've got I've got a like nurse my wounds have have some drinks and oh shit now she's here too if this was love is blind season five he would have actually been there on a date himself and just didn't uh <laughs> didn't tell. that actually might have made the episode that might have made the episode better <laughs> that's, that's so, not a spoiler <laughs> at the bar lee is not really listening to ellen he's noticing dana delaney and her goons he asks Ellen if he if she's ever seen that woman before. She's like, "You're regular here, right?" And she looks she looks over at her and she's like, "Oh, I bumped into her on the way in. Can you believe they let this girl in here wearing these clothes?" <laughs> she she shows up in this Walmart outfit. Wow. Um <laughs> Lee notices that Dana Delaney has a gun. And so he takes Ellen by the arm and he says, the bathroom is over here. And she's like, oh, shit, little Adama, this is on? Okay. This this woman. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Oh, my God. And they get into the bathroom and she's, like, practically about to, like, tear off all of her clothes. And he, like, shushes her right away and, like, looks out a crack in the door. It's such high comedy, though. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) Ellen is always good for some absurdist comedy. Yeah. So Dana Delaney and her goons close the doors. They shoot at the ceiling. They tell everyone to get by the bar. And in the bathroom, Lee tells Ellen that it's three men and one woman. All are armed. Uh, uh, just a little tidbit, because uh, when I was watching it, I was like, I'm like, I'm like trying to find like, trying to find reasons why Apollo's the worst. <laughs> Poor Lee. Yeah, and then I and I was like, he just abandoned D. And um, yeah, I thought about that tu- a lot. Yeah, and it turns out, like, I think they actually uh, in the commentary, Ron Moore talks about how they actually shot and it, it didn't come play well enough. But like, there was like Lee kind of like looks at D and kind of you know, it's like, hey, something's wrong. And then she looks back at him and is kind of aware that things are going wrong. So he didn't necessarily just abandon her, but it just doesn't read well on screen. So I was upset because I 
Well, I mean, on the surface, it does look like he just left his date sitting yeah. over there and pulled Ellen into the bathroom. Yeah. To save Ellen. Yeah, to save Ellen. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you're not you're not as big a hero as you anyway. Yeah. So we go over to the Galactica and Adama is questioning Sharon. She's also questioning him. She wants to know if it's true that the fleet knows that she's there. He wants to know about navigational weaknesses. So she tells him where to avoid, and but then warns him that even if you do that, the Cylons will adapt to the moves that the fleet makes. Um, her baby kicks, and he's musing that adapting is what Cylons are good at, and then answers her question that, yes, the fleet knows. He dismisses her, and she's taken back to the brig. Ty, who I don't remember seeing in this scene, like while he while Adama was talking to her, so he's like just off screen, says that if the fleet knew how much Adama relied on that thing's so-called intelligence, they'd be terrified. Adama asks if Ty is afraid of her, and Ty says that he doesn't like how it has gotten under Adama's skin. And I like that Adama is now referring to her with human pronouns or pronouns that aren't it. Thing, he's mm -hmm. calling her she and her, but Ty still thinks of her as a it, as a mm -hmm. thing. Uh, we're back at the bathroom in the club, and Lee is trying to <laughs> find a service hatch. <laughs> um, Ellen has zero cool in a situation like this, and so she's asking him a bunch of questions like a toddler. Yeah, he explains that he explains what he's trying to do. And she's like, no, I'll just go talk to them. And I guess she just has this, like, puffed up sense of importance that, like, she's going to go out there and be like, the EXO is my husband. And they're not going to immediately hold her more hostage than the other people. Right. Yeah, whatever, man. I don't <laughs> even know what. <laughs> he, he takes her drink to use the dry ice in it. And I actually do have a question about drinks with dry ice in them. Uh, yeah. because I watch Grey's Anatomy and there was this <laughs> episode where these girls show up at, in the emergency room. One girl, it was like her 21st birthday and she drank too much. So she's in the ER and, um, it, she starts like coughing up blood and it turns out that she drank some dry ice and it was like burning a hole in her stomach. So if, <sighs> if this is a thing that we can't ingest dry ice. Why are we putting it in drinks? Well, I mean, you. I don't think you would ingest it. Like, I don't know. They, <laughs> I just, it's funny that you were, like, you even stopped to talk about this. Because I actually have in my notes talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, just, it's from a different perspective. Mine, it was just like, I called it like a space martini. Mm -hmm. And that it was very sci-fi. Like yeah. it's like it's something. It feels like something I would see on like Star Trek or like any other, like Star Wars or something like that. And um, it, it it and it just it's sort of odd just because it's on this show, which is like always. It seems like it's always so grounded a lot of times in yeah. in our society. And all of a sudden, there's like the space martini there. Um, but then there's also this uh, that whole idea of that just from a functional standpoint. Um, when they're writing it, you know, doing the whole CO2 thing, um, 
that was their way of um, having this blast door situation happen without having a lot of techno babble. Sure, I get it, but yeah, like realistic question here: if you're yeah, no, if, if dry like, ice well, I, is, is bad for you. Why why are you putting it in drinks? Is does it not melt? And well, if it, it does melt, is it not? It now it's not bad for you if it's melted in your drink. I mean, if it, in the dry ice, uh, yeah. I mean, it it doesn't it like more. It doesn't it like vaporize or something. It, I don't know. I've never actually yeah. seen it. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> no. Yeah, it, yeah. So it's like, you know, so it's like it's like carbon dioxide, right? Um, frozen, and it's sort of like it'll like bubble in the water, and I think it it just that's what that's where all the you know vapor comes from. If they actually uh, ate the dry ice, it just wouldn't have had a chance to completely, like, disintegrate or whatever. So, okay. yeah. Seems like a risky risk to take just for a fancy little drink. Um, so Ellen goes out there. She raises her hands as when she's told, and they ask who she is, and she gives her name. They make her sit with the rest of the hostages. And uh, Dana Delaney is telling the hostages that they're not criminals. They're members of the fleet, just like all of you. So Ellen has to one-up her and say that her husband is XO on the Galactica, and she just made a huge mistake. So on the Galactica, they get a call from Cloud9, and immediately ellen's like they're going to kill us and makes things worse immediately like immediately because she knows that ty is gonna like lose his mind yeah oh my god so dana delaney takes the phone and introduces herself to adama and ty her name is like sesha or something i don't care um and she says that abanel or something yeah says that the fleet has become a Cylon-occupied territory, that the Galactica is colluding with the Cylons, and the very same Cylon model that tried to kill Admiral Adama, and she demands that they give Sharon over to her. She, makes, she says that they have two hours, and she hangs up. And I have questions. How does she know all of this? How does mm-hmm. she know that it was a Sharon that shot Adama? Mm-hmm. How does she know that they have a Cylon? I mean, I guess you... Uh, the same way the rest of the fleet knows like rumors or whatever but like you're colluding or silent it just it's all very like conspiracy they, I mean, theory yeah i mean I, that's uh, it but they, they I mean they show in the in the opening sequence they show like and i think adama re- i think he refers to it at, at some point where like it's through the whatever version of the press that they have there there because like she has all those uh, articles and stuff and Sharon's in half of them and but I do think that like a lot of those articles are like the you know they would be like underground type things and people right. are speculating and that kind of stuff so that's where that's where she got all of it um, I, I do have that question about uh, the like how would anybody know how would it even be a rumor about the mainframe bit um is it so specific? But other than that, that's that's how she got the information. I still have a big question of like, who is she? Mm-hmm. Like, well, she's just a member of the fleet, just like us, just like one yeah. Of them. And, it, and it's but it's like, 
who is she? <laughs> <laughs> like, so she, like, she, like, she comes, like, she, like, ha- like, what is it about her that can lead all these, all these men to? Oh, well, one of them is, it, it was his brother who died, you know, not just her husband. He wasn't just uh-huh. her husband, Lee, or Billy. I think he says it's Billy. He wasn't just her husband. He right, was my brother. yeah. Yeah. My brother died on Pike. Whatever. So I guess like I don't know they're they're taking justice into their own hands. Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying is like a lot a lot of these guys seem like they were like they had like some kind of military background or something, and this is just what I'm reading, so I yeah. could be completely wrong. Well, they just like I, I don't think they did since they all end up getting killed very. Yeah, easily. yeah, but there was one that there was one that clearly wasn't, and that's a, kind of that's kind of where I'm going. And so it's like. A couple of them, like, because uh, w- the one guy, he's like, you know, uh, there was, I saw another guy roaming around. Where did he, so it made me think that he has, like, this military kind of, like, he was casing the joint and he's, like, aware, situational awareness kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. But then there was that one guy that clearly was not um, military trained. And he, like, it's kind of like a, kind of a plot point. And I guess for for me, I'm just, like, she seemed to be running the show, and I just was like wondering, like, like was just I don't. It's like it would it would see, it would seem weird to me that just some random person in our world would. Uh, and I, I'm as I'm talking, I'm actually kind of like thinking of thinking of January sixth, and I'm contradicting myself. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe never mind. But it just seems like it just seems like she would have. I just wanted to know, like. You know, was she like, was she like, you know, was she like the CIA or, you know what I mean? Like, she's just... like, she's Elliot Ness. The brother is Sean Connery. Yeah. And then one of them is Andy Garcia. And then the one who has no training is the little guy with glasses who is accountant. I got to watch that out and after, after we're done. It's such a good movie. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about The Untouchables, which is a fucking fantastic movie. Fantastic. That's the scene, the, the, uh, the whatever scene in the railway. Oh, oh, so in this good. in the subway. In the subway. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, that movie is just incredible. I, I haven't watched yeah. it in a really long time, and I really want to. Yeah. Sean Connery's wacky Irish accent aside, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay because Sean Connery is so good in that movie. Yeah. All right. So back to this. Turns out that her husband was killed when the Cylon shot up the Greenleaf freighter. 10 weeks ago and they learned this because Adama tells Gaeta to gather all the info he can on this character on this woman um, Adama asks who they have aboard the cloud nine and he is told Captain Adama about half a marine squad and Starbuck so it's very lucky for them that their Swiss army knife is there yeah she's a DJ she's a master of disguise yep she's a John Woo gunfight stunt coordinator she's an air conditioning repairman <laughs> lee finds a sensor and places ellen's drink in front of it to trigger the o2 sensors one of the goons then remembers that there was someone else at the bar talking to ellen and he sends this other guy off to find him out in the hallway starbuck meets with some of the marines one of them's in like a hawaiian shirt so he's he's having a, a he was having a good weekend <laughs> over here on the on the party ship. She gives them the situation and they figure out 
a plan to save anyone, and I'm kidding. She's just like, we'll go in guns blazing and figure out the rest as we go. <laughs> no thought out plans here. Uh, which is, she's really, she's a great tactician until she has to go, like, save her friend's life. And then she's like, fuck it, I'm just going to go in and shoot the place up. <laughs> um, this goon searches the bathroom for Lee. Uh, eventually they fight, and Lee gets his gun and then, like, marches the guy out into the bar. He's announced as Captain Adama. Dana Delaney remembers that he was with D and threatens to shoot her. And Lee tries calling her bluff by saying, if she's shot, then I'll kill him. And then Dana Delaney's like, eh, the difference is, I know you won't do it, but I will. And this, if we're going to talk about black market, is the exact conversation that was had with Bill Duke. And mm -hmm. Lee proved that he will shoot someone. Yes. Um, my, my notes, I wrote, big plan, give up. <laughs> and then Lee's like, okay, and gives the gun up. And then yeah. gets punched in the stomach. So it's like a wasted opportunity here. Like, why did you yeah. take the time to do any of this, Lee? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, like, I, ironically, like, Black Market made this scene feel even, like, lesser. Because, yeah. like you said, he already showed he will make hard choices. And he... I guess saving his prostitute girlfriend was more important than saving Duala. Oh, my Duala. gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I hope Duala never finds out about the prostitute girlfriend oh my. who he oh killed my someone Lord. for and then <laughs> oh tried to be like, please come with me to the Galactica. You didn't just say that. <laughs> that is cold. <laughs> that is so cold. It's like oh, they it's don't so remember true. that they wrote an so episode true. two episodes ago yeah. where he did this exact thing in a different way. Oh, my gosh. Again, <laughs> black market, inessential. It fucks everything <sighs> up anytime it's around. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible episode that ruins everything. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because, like, the again watching this episode, it like it, the first every almost every time I watched it, like I I sort of like passively Lee and D. I've always oh, they're together, you know, whatever, you know. They go through their their stuff, you know. Don't like don't disregard that. But I never was like I never really had a lot had much pushback against it. Um, but like this time, like you said, I'm just like. Yeah, like I just like this is this, these this is so broken. Like this, the way it happens, um, and when you take into context, Lee in Black Market and who he was there versus here, and like how ineffective he is here, um, a multiple situations he's ineffective. Like he runs out of the bar first, and then he his big plan is to give up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he jumps into action later and that you know that doesn't work out either and he's like comes out on top all sympathetic and stuff to this woman so anyway well let's keep going okay so the o2 sensor i just can't up. believe you said that That's i'm so sorry cool. i mean it just occurred to me and i, I no i mean it's so good like <laughs> i don't like i just i have no respect for them at all now anymore <laughs> 
if Lee really thought about it, he'd have. <laughs> now is when the existential crisis should come up. Like, oh God, I can't believe that I did that to my almost girlfriend. And right, right. Now I'm having an existential crisis, and I'm laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, wondering why I'm here. Yeah, like he, we already, he already almost died. And, like, he's almost already dying again. But this one feels like it would be more, it would, it would be more impactful than the one before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't, it doesn't track or flow. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay. So the O2 sensors go off. The CO2 is through the roof, according to the sensor. They think someone's trying to suffocate them. But Lee says... That this is why you don't go shooting in a spaceship. They probably nicked an oxygen line. And he asks her to let him talk to the Admiral. Instead we have Adama giving Starbucks some instructions. She's got firepower galore but is concerned about access points. Adama gets a call from Dana Delaney. She says that they're losing oxygen. And she's not smart enough to realize that they aren't. Which I guess is good. If they were losing oxygen they'd be having trouble breathing. I'm saying. She says that the oxygen isn't restored and the hostages will die. Adama is basically like the shrug emoji. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I guess you'll die. Why did I write? I have a shrug emoji in my notes. <laughs> she, what? Dana Delaney, said, is willing to die in order to see Sharon dead, but she doesn't think that Adama will sacrifice his son. And Starbuck, who is on the line, too, is like, of course, Princess Lee needs saving. <laughs> Ellen is unhelpful in the background. She's yelling that they should just give her what she wants. Adama <laughs> says he is not going to sacrifice a military asset for her re revenge plot. And she's like, I, this isn't a revenge plot. And uh, he cuts her off to tell her the tale of her husband dying in the Cylon attack. He says that they've all lost people and they live with it. She talks about how Caprica's defenses were compromised by a Cylon agent who infiltrated the Ministry of Defense. And how does she know that? I guess the rumor mill. He basically calls that a conspiracy theory and says that they were caught by surprise and beaten and they have to live with that too. She tells him that he's been infiltrated again and that the rest of them shouldn't have to die because of it. She makes her demands for air filtration system to be fixed by one person coming in alone. And she wants it done now. And she hangs up. And Ty is like, what are we going to do? And Adama says, they'll fix the air filtration. But they aren't giving up Sharon. A Ty, and then Ty agrees that they can't start negotiating with terrorists. And my note here says, by the way, President Adar. These are terrorists, not a teacher's union. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ty reminds Adama that that isn't Sharon. It's a Cylon. It's not the young girl that reported aboard Galactica two years ago, and it never was. Adama assures him that he's aware of that fact. And then he calls, or then he gets a call from Starbuck. She lets him know that the air is fine inside the club. And he thinks it could be a glitch. She thinks someone may have messed with the sensors. They assume correctly that it was Lee giving them an opening to get inside. She says she can get in there and see what's what. He reminds her that this is a recon mission, tells her to get someone to volunteer, assess the situation, and get out. 
she confirms that. And when a maintenance worker comes, she volunteers to be the one to go in. And then she doesn't do anything that Adama says because she goes in there. She's sort of suspicious right from the start. She's searched. She has this big case that's brought in with her. One of the goons, like, notices that Ellen seems to recognize Starbucks, so he's watching her carefully. She tells her to wait, tells another guy to check the case again. And she knows she's been caught, so she pulls two guns from, like, a drop compartment in the case, and a shootout begins. So, so much for assessing the situation and getting out of there to, like, come up with a plan. Lee gets shot in the crossfire by one of Starbucks bullets. This big Marine, the one in the, in the shirt, somehow came inside and, like, he and Starbucks start making their way to the door and he's shot in the leg. They barely make it out. Dee rushes over to Lee and calls to Billy to get her some shirts or some towels to put pressure on the wound. One of the guys is like, or tells Billy not to move. And he says, if the Admiral's sons, if the Admiral's son dies, none of them are getting out alive. Dana Delaney agrees and lets Billy get towels. If I was Billy, I would have said bootstraps. (laughs) (laughs) Figure it out, Lee. (laughs) You're on your own, kid. <laughs> um, Starbuck reports what happened to Adama. The casualties are two Marines, at least one of the gunmen, and Lee was hit in the confusion. Adama asks how bad he is, and she says she doesn't know. And to her credit, she admits that it was friendly fire that hit Lee, and it was probably her. D can't stop the bleeding, and she's repeating over and over, don't leave me, don't leave me, to an unconscious Lee. And Billy, ever the good guy comforts her in this moment so adama visits sharon and basically (laughs) asks i'm having all kinds of flashbacks i'm sorry adama visits sharon and basically asks if she's fucking with them she reminds him how many times she saved him and the ship he says that she knows there are cylons in the fleet and asks her if he were to ask who they were if she would tell him, and she says no. And he says that this he believes. So here, I have questions. Okay. So, like, from a, like, a writing standpoint, or how you're, like, building up a scene, you want to create a sense of mystery, it makes sense to do this, but it's sort of like knowing what we know, like, knowing how it turns out, I'm kind of like, why would she say no? Like, why? Um, I think she's still, I don't know. She's still, she still has some loyalty to her people. Okay. But it's, yeah. I mean, because like she tries to make it very clear how much she's helped them and everything. And then she's on their team but then she's just flat out no i wouldn't tell you and i didn't even think about this until um like we were i was in kind of the middle of the episode like watching it like my third time for my notes or whatever and then i was like i correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't because like we still have yet to meet cavill and doesn't she like she gets called out for that right am i like am i making that up or like she knew about cavill and she didn't tell them he was a cylon 
Did I make that up or no? I can't. I I can't remember the exact <sighs> details of that. I did yeah. rewatch the whole thing, you know, a few months ago, mm-hmm. but I it all I did it so fast. But and part of if that if that if that did happen, it it's kind of like breezed over. Um, and and so I'm just like I'm wondering like what was that all building up to because it doesn't be, end up becoming anything, yeah. right? Um, no. It's just kind of weird. But again, like from a I could t- like f- building up suspense, like it kind of works there, and I think it's one of the things that helps prop up this episode. But again, it ends up being kind of like empty ultimately because it doesn't necessarily apply. Um, I think it's just a casualty of the way that, especially 20 years ago, shows were written, that Mm -hmm. even though this is serialized, it's not, the details, there are so many episodes, and some details just kind of get dropped. Mm -hmm. Things that audiences, like this is that whole Star Trek thing, where fans of Star Trek would like, go to conventions that Shatner is at and ask these like ridiculous galaxy quest questions. And he'd be like, I don't know because fans think of these things and, and put importance on these things that the writers are like, it, it worked in this moment. We never thought about it again. Mm -hmm. What about the relevant, what about the relevant conundrum? (laughs) Is that a Star Trek thing? That was Galaxy. That was that, that was the line from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah, like you know what I mean. Like we pay attention to all these details. This is yeah. what was so annoying about a faction of Lost fans, and maybe you're one of those fans. I don't know, but there were mm-hmm. people who watched the show for characters, which is how I watched the show. And the mystery stuff was like cool if it whatever. If I don't get answers, I don't care. And then there were people who like like absorbed all of those little details and wanted to know desperately and answered every teeny tiny little thing. And because they didn't get an answer to everything, they're mad, even though there were answers to lots of things, but there was like this one thing that happened in one episode and they never got an, an answer about that. And like forever mad about it. This is just the way that fans are a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, it's a much different experience than this. Like, I'm just yeah. saying this is one conversation with Sharon. It's a valid question, but I'm guessing that when they got to the Cavill thing, they weren't thinking about this conversation in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, like, I mean, you brought up Lost. So I will elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with Lost is, like, it so much of it was built on the mystery. And uh, like it was like it sort of it was like your you resonated with the characters more, so it wasn't as much of a an issue for you. But to say that the showrunners weren't, you know, it was that whole puzzle box thing. Like they knew, like it's like they knew what they were doing basically, and they and they never had really answers. And I think if they had actually answers that they intended to show it would have played differently is my opinion about it um here i think you're correct in that like it's just sort of like the way things go but this show isn't like built on this like intricate mystery it just happens to be something that happens in this episode that doesn't necessarily pan out because i think the next like 
because it's all like you know we have one year later or later and i think that's when we finally see like this jump with her character um and there's you know so it doesn't track with some of the stuff that we've seen before who knows what happened over that year whatever mm-hmm. um but then you know i i see a lot of that when i'm watching star wars now um cuz like the fans hyper like hyper focused on easter eggs and mm-hmm. um uh it there, I've, I've noticed in this past, like, three weeks, like, watching Ahsoka, like, I watch all the commentary about and people talk about stuff. And, and like, it, there's more talk about stuff that's not in the episode than what, you know, that what's in the episode. Because they're just so, like, into, like, building these theories about stuff. And, yeah. yeah so, and that it's starting to, I mean, it's starting to put me off on some of it but it's well, not that, the show I, it's not the it's show not the it's not the show's fault, fault. yeah it's not yeah. the show's fault that's what i'm saying it's, it's definitely not the show's fault but at the same time I, I kind of exist in this space where i see all these conversations and then i'm just kind of like yeah it's not as fun for me anymore because i didn't i didn't pick up the uh, picture of someone on the on the dashboard and then um i didn't oh. see this and i didn't see that and then i'm told that i'm not a real fan and and so i'm just well like, I'm, I'm i have seen every episode of rebels multiple times and love it love it love it and i didn't notice the picture of kanan on the dashboard either until somebody pointed it out because mm-hmm. i wasn't looking for it i was watching the actors and mm-hmm. that was fun for me to learn like oh shit that's yeah. so cute. I love that they did that. And then I left it there. I I think fans often will ruin things for other people. And yeah, I don't, I, without giving... I stop engaging in a lot of stuff when I start seeing like, you guys are just being really fucking nitpicky and yeah. not enjoying the thing. Well, I what I'm saying is like, I, they, <laughs> I think they are like, so without giving like spoilers for the last episode of Ahsoka, but like there's the, a couple scenes and I just like, I saw all these videos of people just like telling you what it means and blah, blah, blah. They're just going off and off and off on these theories. And I just, I just was like, and it, they, it's like, they, they seriously enjoy it. And I was like, those people are actually making me not enjoy it because mm. it's nothing that was actually in, it wasn't what the episode was about. So like no one's talking about the episode. They're talking about, Oh, this there's a thing here, and this is what this means, and there's a whole ten minute video, and that, and that's why the, in, in season two this and I'm just like, you know, anyway. So, but like, yeah, they they people do hyper focus on like the details sometimes, and I I think I've talked about this before, like just how I I tend to engage with with fiction on differently than I think a lot of people do. And I'm not saying I do it better. I, I do it so much better than you guys. I'm not saying that it's just, I think part of it is cause I, I do make my own fiction. So I sort of think of things more of like crafting story and I kind of see why people would like, why a writer crew would put scenes together in a certain mm-hmm. way. And I, I less so, interpret things as they're actually as if they were actually happening um so i think that's that might be like a little different difference for me but nevertheless i still have a question because this <laughs> it was such a stark no uh, for sharon in the scene yeah that just made me question like because we had some previous um episodes where she was like going out of her way to show that she's on she's like team human mm-hmm. you know 
team colonial fleet. So I just, I was like, oh, what's she doing? And maybe it'll get answered. And I just, there's something that I don't remember in the next few episodes. But anyway. Well, back to this. Um, the main goon tells Billy and Dee that Lee will be all right. Billy motions to Dana Delaney and says she loses a husband and suddenly the world owes her an explanation. And this guy is like, well, he was a good man. He wasn't just her husband. He That was my brother. And Billy's like, yeah, I had a brother that died on PyCon. He was a good man, too. They're all good men. Basically, what Billy is saying here is he wasn't that fucking special. Yeah. Like, he was just one guy. He's and, a good man. A good man. Right. So, in the CIC, Rosalind informs them that Dana Delaney sent a manifesto to the press before her hostage situation. It's a bunch of conspiracy theories and rumors. Ty says it's crap. She says it's getting a lot of attention. They need to get their people out of there. Adama says if they try to blow the pressure doors, they'll basically destroy the ship. And he says there's only one option left. She says that they don't negotiate with terrorists. Everyone in that room is someone to someone else. Billy is the closest thing she has a family anymore. Ty wonders if they're right that Sharon has been manipulating them. Rosalind says that this isn't about Sharon. It's about how they conduct themselves in situations like this. And then they get a call from Dana Delaney. Adama asks how Lee is. She says that he's alive, but her friend is dead, as well as two of Adama's soldiers. And Lee is probably dying. She says that she thought about what she'd do in a situation like this and signals to a goon to grab Ellen. Ellen starts yelling for them to give her what she wants and says it's just a machine. Ty immediately thinks they're going to kill Ellen. Adama tells them to hold their fire. He'll give them the Cylon, but she'll be dead. And Dana Delaney's like, that's not the deal. And he says, maybe she's right. And that means the Cylon has been messing with him. So he'll give her over, but it's on his terms. They get the body. He gets the hostages. So she agrees. I'm sorry, a little background um, in this in this scene, um, like, you know, is my my music note. Um, they're playing uh, the martial law sound, uh, music from the martial law episode when Ty, you know, declares martial law at the very mm -hmm. end of the episode. And I actually thought it was interesting just because there was this interaction with Ty in that moment. Uh, I don't. I don't know that there was actually a connect. They might have just used it because they needed to put some <laughs> some music there, um, but uh, I don't know. It just it just seemed like it it was kind of fitting. Um, it's almost like it's Ty's music now. I never thought of it as a Ty's theme before, but yeah, maybe it is. So, so while they wait, Dee notices Billy scoping out one of the goons. She tells him to stop thinking he can get the gun. He says he's just weighing his options. She says that he's not a soldier and he has nothing to prove. The team arrives with Sharon's body. They pull down a sheet and we see it's Boomer. Dana Delaney shoots her in the head three times. She says it's done now. And the main goon looks closer and says, this isn't this, that copy. This is the one that this one has been dead for weeks. He pulls back the sheet and we see the autopsy scar on her chest and he says their Cylon is still alive. She tells him to kill the girlfriend and they head towards D and Billy jumps up and snatches the gun from one of those goons. And then he gets shot and the Marines immediately <clears throat> come in and kill all of the terrorists. They call for a medic. Adama comes in to make sure that Lee is still alive. 
D has rushed over to Billy's body, but he's already dead. Well, Billy does take out that one guy. So does he? At least, yeah, he's he's the one. He he takes out the guy, and this is why I'm like I'm like Apollo. This is. <laughs> they had to give Billy his moment. The... They had to Apo- take Apollo so... off the board so Billy could have his A- moment. Yeah, Apollo gets shot, right? <laughs> Billy, like, he's not even a soldier, and he's like, we got to do something. <laughs> and so he does it. He takes out one of – he takes out more more terrorists than Apollo does. Mm-hmm. But Apollo gets the girl. I mean, obviously, Apollo gets the girl because he's alive. Mm-hmm. But he would have <laughs> um, gotten the girl anyway. This wasn't going to yeah, change got, D's yeah. feelings. I mean, Billy basically made her choice easier. But <laughs> <laughs> dying. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's like Billy. Like grabbed the gun and then he shot the the big guy. Yeah, and then he gets shot and then they take out everybody else. And I'm like, I mean, Ed, to her credit, she runs over from from Lee to Billy to mm-hmm. give Billy his last little moment. Uh, you know, before he rushes off to his next audition, but. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I just didn't feel. I didn't. I didn't feel good, and I just want love too. <laughs> Why so, did she leave me? So we go to the morgue, <laughs> and Rosalind looks at Boomer's body and asks Adama if this is what he gave them. Adama says it was a calculated risk, and she says it wasn't worth it, and goes and sits by Billy's body. She has this great Mary McDonald performance where she like steadies herself on the wall and as she's crying and then she like gently fixes his hair so sweet she's so good there's a uh I don't know that I I don't think it was scripted or anything but um her bracing herself on the wall mirrors the same thing that she did in I think the miniseries when she's in the bathroom and mm-hmm. she has like had the cancer diagnosis and before she comes out. So it's like a, at least it's like in character yeah. for the character other than just great acting. So over in sick bay D is with Lee when he wakes up, she tells him when he's feeling better, they can talk. He says something about it being a hell of a vacation. Starbuck is sort of standing in the background mirroring the last time that Lee was in the hospital like after his spacewalk mm-hmm. and where, where or actually it wasn't in the hospital. It was in his bunk where D was like mm-hmm. listening in. Um, mm-hmm. And then D <laughs> this fucking D you have to stay. You have oh, to stay. Man. You can't oh, leave the fuck girl. Tell you, man, these people are messy. And it's like, this is not even like, it gets more messy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't hear any of this because he's just fucking unconscious again. Mm-hmm. And then she says she'll stay right there until he wakes up. And we end the episode. Well, we have one more scene. We do? Yeah. They go back into, uh, they go back into the cell with Sharon. And it's like her just laying on the bed and it like the camera's like panning all over and like trying to make it like 
I wonder what she's thinking and doing. And then it, and then it like fades to white or something. And cause I, and I only bring that up cause I wrote my notes, uh, and they had to end it somehow question mark. Yeah. (laughs) they, They needed to like make it feel like there was some resonance. And I just think that it was like, it just felt like they were throwing something in there to be mysterious. But again, the entire episode didn't really have like an emotional center. And so they just were, they, put some stuff in there that you would like at least and it works if you're not really thinking about it and i think that's why the episode works well enough is because like if you're not really thinking about it then it's just sort of like every like things seem to track because they do enough visual stuff (laughs) to kind of keep you going but like it really doesn't there's no real emotional through line and it really and i think ron moore did say like he really wishes they had more time to do the episode um, and like just to actually play it out because they had different plans and they wanted to do different things. I think at one point he said that they had they had wanted to set the entire episode on a shuttle so to have like a claustrophobic feel and have that. But it's just, you know, yeah, it's harder, harder to do built the set and all the stuff. So it just ended up being what it what it ended up being. But yeah, it just um uh, I I feel like if it it should have been the entire episode would have been interesting if it was like told only from Dana Delaney's perspective, um, because when she like she just kind of um, unceremoniously dies, and so there's no I don't know <laughs> there's like no there's no real lesson there's no like realization from her or anything it's just like she just is there and then she's gone and <sighs> yeah yeah so um I do have a note about this was initially set on a military shuttle that was taken over by Cylon hating terrorists the group's hostages included Billy Ellen Ty Jammer and Laird but not <laughs> not Liadama or Duala. Jammer. As the storyline continued, a conflict developed between Admiral Adama and Colonel Tai that culminated in Tai raising a gun to his superior officer. But Ron Moore said that they just couldn't get to a point where that was believable. They they said that that was sort of like they wanted that to happen on um, the Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down episode. Kind of, um, yeah. Yeah, and then he said, and it was like, and, you know, that ended up basically being our version of a comedy. So you could see that they just weren't really invested in, he just doesn't doesn't think that that would actually happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, during the latter half of season two's broadcast in the U.S., Sci-Fi Channel featured an advertisement that was, um, was mock footage of an unborn baby in the womb. The trailer ended with the baby's back glowing Cylon red, which is weird, and I don't remember that commercial. I feel like I like now that you bring it up. I feel like I might vaguely remember that, but I don't know. If Billy had remained a part of Battlestar Galactica, Ron Moore planned to develop the character's political rise. We were going to continue the Billy Laura storyline. The idea was that Laura was going to start grooming Billy to be a politician or to take some position of authority within the fleet. We said in home that Laura had told Adama she thought Billy would be president one day, 
So he was going to be aimed in that direction, but we didn't have any specific plans beyond that. I'm just glad they cast Tori. That's all. Yeah. That's all I can say. And then Ron Moore said, by the time this episode was completed, he viewed Sacrifice as an episode that didn't quite fulfill its potential despite its emotional scenes involving Billy's death. But Paul Campbell himself has no real complaints about the episode and feels it does provide a fitting swan song for his character. He says he was happy with Billy's demise in Sacrifice. Whether a character leaves a show... Or whenever a character leaves the show, they try their best to make the episode about them and give them the best send-off they can. In that sense, the episode was great. We ended up going a few places with the Billy Duala relationship that I think were a little too quick for for the drama. I thought the engagement was premature. But I loved the rest of it, which was about Billy becoming a man and standing up and fighting. At the same time, I did think to myself, if producers had given given me an episode like this at the beginning of the season, I might have signed up for more. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said, where is it? He said, if I was going to sign up for something for that long, I'd like to be playing a really meaty center of the action role. And Billy was never going to be that. Yeah. I mean, I can't hate, on him for one, you know. I don't, I no, I think it sounds very, um, I mean, actors should have a, a high sense of self, especially like the industry is brutal and whatever. Um, but he even said on, on the podcast that I listened to that he thought he was going to be this like, like dramatic actor. That's what he yeah. was interested in. And what he ended up getting cast for more than anything else has been comedy, which he did not see coming. Yeah, when I actually looked at his uh his IMDb <laughs> after and uh cuz you know I just was remembering that whole, you know, oh yeah, like he was talked about being a lead and stuff and I saw a lot of like kind of hallmark Christmas movies and mm. I haven't I haven't seen him uh I mean this was this is more recently so I didn't go back all the way to Battlestar but um I I always assumed that he ended up working a lot but it was just on like Canadian productions um like like specific Canada like Canada broadcasting <laughs> channel stuff where we Americans wouldn't have necessarily seen him anymore, but he continued to work. And that was the case. He's been working ever consistently since then. So like, there's that, but obviously, like you said, he, I think he envisioned something else for his career that it didn't end up being that way. But I I hear a lot of actors say that though. They always thought they were going to be like dramatic actors. And it's like, if you kind of take the roles that you can get a lot of times. Well, or you find in, in your, um, in your path that you're better at something than you thought you were, mm-hmm. you know, like comedy looks easy, but it's hard. Yeah. I think and it's hard. to be, to be really good at comedy, you have to be good at drama because you have mm-hmm. to find the humor in things. Cause you, a lot of times comedy can be dark. You have to find the humor in that to be like effectively a good comedic actor. Comedy is really, really difficult. So if you think mm-hmm. you're a dramatic actor and suddenly you're getting, you're nailing these comedy auditions and then your your path goes that way, 
that's great because how many serious actors think they're funny and they are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are actors that can't, they think they're funny. They think they can do comedy and, and it, it's like, there's nothing funny about you. Jared yeah. Leto. <laughs> it's like you're, <laughs> you're inceptioning Jared Leto. <laughs> He's the first one Sublim- I, I can think of. Man. Like that guy, like is not funny. Like he's, I don't think he's anything. It's I, he didn't he he he's like he won best. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, best supporting for something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. For, but I just like I um, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, I just I've never. I mean, I've never seen it. Maybe that's why it's like I've never seen him in anything that well, I. Yeah, he's. I yeah. like I mean, even with. Even his Joker was just like I, oh, it felt bland. It felt Joker. bland. Yeah. I I I have a complicated feelings about Jared Leto because I loved my so-called life when I was mm-hmm. a teenager, and he is so fucking beautiful. But he's a lunatic. I can't. Yeah. I just don't like most method actors. I don't like the process of being a method actor. I think it's disrespectful often to the cast members. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it manifests itself in ways like what he did when he played the Joker, where he was like yeah. sending dead rats to Margot Robbie. Right. Like, don't fucking do that. Yeah. You can like, be a method actor and not be an absolute asshole. I don't care what character you're playing. Um, and then like he, did, yeah, like he, he did it and it wasn't even like he was like got nominated for an Academy Award for it. Like at right. least, at least, <laughs> get nominated and win like you shouldn't do it but you know what i mean like he did all that just to like have the blandest the the literal blandest joker that's ever existed too far where there's someone like christian bale i remember an an interview with christian bale where he's because he's a method actor too and Mm -hmm. he said that his wife likes some characters better that he you know because he takes it this is what's even crazier he just stays in character like the whole time he's playing the role so not just on set he goes home and he's still that person and he said his wife enjoyed certain characters much more than others she did not love living with patrick bateman (laughs) but she did enjoy there was a character i can't remember the name of the movie the one where he the machinist i think where he like lost a ton of weight and his character was you know a pretty sweet person. She liked him the most, like at the time of this interview. And I just remember thinking like, man, I hope he like spoils the shit out of her and buys her all kinds of presents and just lets her do whatever she wants whenever she wants, because having to deal with that kind of stuff is, I don't think what most people sign up for. Like I'm in a relationship with an actor and now I have to deal with these characters he's playing that's a lot has, to ask of a spouse. Has he ever had a role where he couldn't find his kids and he's like searching for them? Christian ever? Bale? Yeah. No. Because I was at the movies one time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I hear this voice and it's like, excuse me, have you seen a little boy running around? I'm doing a terrible Christian Bale. You're doing like half around. of his Batman. That's, yeah, yeah. That's not right. even how he talks normally. Yeah. And then I turn around. No, this, this, it was him. I turn around. It was Christian Bale. And like, I guess he had taken his kids to the movies and one of his kids just was like running through the hallway. He was asking the <laughs> ticket taker where, where he had 
Harry God. And I was like, was he method acting then? Was did know. he have his British accent or was it American? It was it was his real accent. Okay, yeah. then it he was probably like, was yeah. between roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was me making a joke, but it was like I think it was like 2019. It was like right before the oh, end of the wow. world. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> Do you have any <laughs> any last thoughts about this episode? Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, this this ep- there's you know kind of you know I went in on it a little bit, but it actually the episode's fine. Um, it like I said, it just I think it just lacks uh, an emotional center, and I just when you're look when I'm looking at these episodes more critically, then I, that kind of became apparent. And then I just felt like I had to call it out <laughs> all the time. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's just kind of like it exists. And then, you know, and like the, the whole Billy uh, D and Lee thing is definitely triggering for me. So, um, <laughs> you know, but also, um, you know, let people, you can't force people to love who they don't love. So yeah, it works out the way that it does. So, yeah, the episode's fine. Um, it'll always really just be the episode that Billy dies. Yeah. We'll move on. So this is the second episode in a row with no Baltar, no sex. Yeah, it's wild. So Baltar did not have an opportunity to be the worst this week. Yeah. But who would you say gets full colors? Uh, I'm going to give them to Billy. <laughs> Because he's the only one that shot a terrorist that wasn't in the military. Okay. Yeah. I said Adama because his plan was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, who would you throw out the airlock? <laughs> Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> For once, I didn't say Ellen. I said Dana Zellini. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally it should be Dana's a lady, but I just can't resist. <laughs> I just can't resist saying Ellen Ty, even as a joke. Um, but yeah, it's definitely Dana Delaney. And then this week's favorite Cylon, are, we have two options. We have Sharon or Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because I'm, I'm, I'm like, she should have, she should have said, <laughs> she should have said who, like, who the people, other Cylons in the fleet were. Um, but so I'm it's really to hard Boomer. for her to do that when the showrunners didn't know yet. Yeah, and it, you know what? And then I think about it, they could have actually been setting up just it, planting the seed for us that there are more silent mm-hmm. because that literally a few episodes later they actually we get introduced to another one, yeah, another important one. So literally we... a one. <laughs> <laughs> do we so. have any new reviews? Um, no, we do not have any new reviews. Okay. Well, if if you'd like to review us, which we would love for you to do, please go to Apple Podcasts and review the show. Give us five stars. Rate us on Spotify. Talk about us to people who also love Battlestar Galactica. Um, you can tweet at us at GalactuallyPod. You can find us on Instagram at GalacticaActually. You can email us your thoughts at galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Where can people find you? Find me on Instagram at the Armageddon, ADL Jackson, uh, uh, Angela in the Dark Instagram. And if you happen to be going to Comic-Con, uh, LA Comic-Con in December, 
I'll actually be having a screening and Q and A for Angela in the Dark. Um, That's I don't awesome. have the I don't have the date or time just yet, um, but I actually had a screening last week at Universal Studios and went over really well. And um, so we're doing more and maybe more and more. But we'll, I'll be letting people know about the time and the uh, day for when it actually comes. We still have another like month and a half till then. So, but yeah. Um, you'll be able to find me there in person. Exciting. Yeah. I hope David, Dana Delaney better not show up with her crew. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be some trouble. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at oh, hey, Jamie with underscores between O and Hey and Hey and Jamie. Um, and I used to co-host podcasts on the Unspoiled Network. Doctor Who, Lost, Band of Brothers, Punisher, and Vampire Diaries. And next week, we will be talking about The Captain's Hand with another guest star for one mm. episode. Mm-hmm. The uh, late and great John Hurd. It's going to be it's a good episode, yeah. I think, yeah. in my memory, anyway. Memory serves, yes. Yeah. So, until then... What do you hear, Diallo? I hear nothing but the rain. Bring in the cat. Or whatever the rest of that phrase is. Yeah, it's like, drive the cat in, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes you got to roll a hard six. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. See ya. (laughs) See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.